the star, the star, the star. Yeah, yeah, y'all already know, y'all already know. Step in the pan, step in the pan. That dude fits on the fits on the feet. Yeah, yeah. We live in entertainment, in entertainment. Sound change, sound change, sound change. Crown the king, crown the king, homie. This is where it get ill. About to have a tip off live as a tip drill. From the court to the diamond to the track to the big skin flying round the fields. Hard and five forever keeping it real. If it matters in the world of sports, world of sports, teams and long sleeves, they taking no shorts. So hot the depth. Oh yes, these other sports podcasts live as a pro's corpse. Biz market wave is starting five goes off, goes off. No matter who you cheer for, emotions out the window. They analyzing with clear thoughts, clear thoughts. They take it way deeper than the boys ever for. No longer got any use for the four letters. The latest news, score stats in the view from the sideline. Ain't no guideline, it's just the truth, just the truth. Yeah. No need to dig for a part in line. It's always in season if people start five, start five. We going in on three, run the baseline, start five, get it. We got what you we need. What you need. If the sports news you see, we don't waste time. We talking cause we live. We got what you we need. What you yeah. need. We going in on three, run the baseline, start five, get it. We got what you we need. What you and y'all know me, seven sign, I'm the illest cat stick. I got what you need. 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 Each and every week, we got what y'all need, whether y'all like it or not, whether y'all telling stories about it or not, whether you tell people the truth about this show or not. We are better than what you think we are. This is the Star Five, and I'm your boy, the mayor, the DJ named Ace Five, your mom's favorite fat guy, all the way from deepest, darkest Africa. I am not hanging out with the birds this week, double entendre, because I got my man. I pointed the right direction. Did you? Okay, what's up, y'all? <laughs> what's up, y'all? Maybe my screen is reversed, but what's good, man? Pleasure to be here with y'all today. Sun's out. Rain is going away. A lot of just watching this January 6th fuckery be laid bare on TV. Got me a little drink in my mm. cup. I'm good to go. It's a good sun. I'm about to, you know, throw some jerk pork on the grill later today. Nice. I can't complain, Ooh. man. Nice, nice. Salute team. to you, brother. Salute yeah. to you. So, um, what's up, y'all? Uh, great to see y'all again. Can't wait to see y'all at, at the end of the week. That's gonna be dope. Um, another good week. I tweaked my hamstring playing softball this morning, so I'm a little sore. But besides that, life is good. Uh, not a little, not nothing wrong with a little bit of liquid courage to uh, melt away the pain. But, right. um, yeah, we're back on Facebook this week. What's up, Courtney? How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, we're back. I'm, I'm back on Facebook this week because only because of this. I told y'all it's been fuck Facebook because too many, too, two restrictions, too many. I'm, I'm sure another one's going to come through because of the TikTok question of the week this week. But uh, it ain't even it ain't even that crazy. But. You know what? Some people needed to see the faces over here on Facebook because, uh, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about that. But, um, yo, let's just dive into this. We, we're going to be talking about Philly Cigar Week. Hopefully we can get the creator, John, and the homie, Chuck Belafonte, to come through on the show. I, I sent them the link to be on. They knew about it already. Um, we don't know if the brothers are busy just yet, but 
We're going to make sure we get them on. We're going to talk about that later. But right now, we're going to know what this week, we're going to start with the TikTok question of the week. And I got, I got it loaded up right now. TJ and Jamal have seen it already, but y'all, if you're not following, please follow the Start 5 Podcast on TikTok also. But here's the question of the week. What up, hip-hop heads? Please out of comments to do what? What is your conscious rap? Now, with this here being the definition of consciousness, why is it that in rap, we only look at a certain caliber MC as being conscious? You know, we only look at conscious MCs as the ones that we allegedly think spread positivity, uh, talk about the ills in our community and how to make it better. But yet, being aware of your surroundings, gangster rap kind of does the same thing. So why is one level of consciousness perceived to be conscious rap over another? Speak on it. And that's what we're going to do today with the question of the week. And uh, I, I took the screen share off because I'll read some of the comments as I'm echoing through somebody's thing. But uh, yeah, we'll read some. I'm read some of the comments. The homie Jay have they said, y'all ain't gonna like this, but Kodak and G Herbo are very conscious. They're just talking about different subjects. Daryl Gaines said, knowledge is power, so the listeners determine the knowledge they want to consume. Drosine said. Kendrick Lamar's new album, I guess, meaning that's conscious. Uh, shout out to Banner Talk. They said, I think we look at how it's articulated. Conscious rap- rappers are perceived to be smarter or more articulate. Hip hop is conscious as a genre. Where Phoenix Fatal said, Conscious rap is more about the individual to me. It's not a genre. If it sparks something, within your consciousness, then it's conscious rap. And I said to him, I was like, good point. And then whoever Apple uses, oh, I forgot the person's name, but it says no gimmicks. That's what he says conscious rap is. And it, it, I, I thought about it because we all know we're of the era, hold on a second, because this echo is crazy. You muted, brother. No. You got a real bird sense you were going on there, Jay. Yeah, I had I had muted. I was muted. Uh, Echoing from somebody. That's what. Okay. There we go. So, yeah, I, I, I thought about this because we came from the era of where everybody looked at the Talibs, the most deafs, the commons, the poor righteous teachers, the KRS ones. Uh, the people who just talked about empowerment and not necessarily the consciousness of their surroundings, more of black empowerment as the conscious rappers, the people who talked about social ills and social injustices and stuff, those are the conscious rappers. But when you say you take a Jay-Z or say you take a boot camp or say you take a... Even like a young Jeezy or somebody like that, and they're talking about either their robbing past, their drug dealing past, stealing past, you know, BMF past. Like they're talking about 
the surroundings and environments in which they grew up in. So why were they never perceived to be conscious compared to the quote-unquote knowledge of self-rappers, the, the each-one-teach-one rappers, the, the rappers with a message, whether it's real message or not? The flawed thing about that is they've done conscious songs, though. You know what I'm saying? Jay-Z was on the Get By remix. You know what I'm saying? Well, again, attached to what they perceive as a conscious rapper. But again, right. when consciousness is being aware of your surroundings, drug rap, when you're talking about drug dealing, flipping birds, whatever, whatever, in your hood, your shoes, like they are talking about their surroundings. And I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I, I am breaking this down. You know what? the definition of the word, but it was perceived you, more amongst the style of rap. You can say Biggie's 10 Crack Commandments was conscious rap. Absolutely. He don't gave you the, He gave you the do's and don'ts of what not to do if you win the game. I mean, it doesn't get more clearer than that. It doesn't get any clearer than that. So, yeah, that could be considered conscious rap for you the environment that you're in that's what it all boils down to you know what i'm saying what environment are you in consciousness could be always have your head on the swivel because that's where the environment you're in that's just being aware yeah consciousness in the suburbs means different to consciousness of to some kid who's growing up in the projects same meaning two different effects entirely right right but that's my thing in in rap though it's just I I I want to. I'm sure it's too much for us to try to figure out now, but why is it that they they're considering a style of rap as being con one level of consciousness over another when it's not believed they, to be conscious about talking about your street surroundings? They because they never consider that. That's never part of the conversation. That's, you know, consciousness is coming, you know, talking about education, empowerment, moving forward, you know, public enemy would fight the power, all that shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So that's coming from a different perspective. So you're not understanding the perspective of the street person as being conscious of their surroundings because those people are not in that situation to perceive it as that. You know what I'm saying? I've heard conscious rap from Coogee Rap. He has a couple of songs where he's talking about the ills of the hood and shit like that. But you don't see that perspective and it's not talked, it's talked about, but like you said, Dan, it's talked about in such a different way. We don't think of it as being conscious. We take it as, oh shit, he dropped a gem. That's a rule. Don't fuck that up. But right, you're not right. seeing it as conscious. You're not seeing it as the perceived term of what conscious rap is is what is out right, to be right it's it's the like like what we like to say jamal it's the goalpost shifting in, yeah. in my opinion because like i i do like to look at things sometimes from that root level that base level the definition of consciousness was on our screen but the goalpost moving is Oh, you're talking about crack. You're talking about destroying a neighborhood. You talk no, I'm talking about the environment I came up in. That's where my level of consciousness is. You're talking about teaching people about stuff that they might not have known about. That doesn't mean that's their environment and their surroundings. But, but now but, you're 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 taking it in to try to make it a part of your surroundings, to make it simple. an educational part. 
that's the rule applies to the people in the street. You have to be consciously aware of your surroundings. Like that exactly. rule applies everywhere. It Hand just it's, right. Yeah. It's just that what it means to that person in their environment. I get what you're saying. Yes, it's all about how you perceive that from your environment because that's the only thing you got to relate to when when you're hearing it. Right, but Jamal, but again, but in yeah. rap, people yeah. are defining a specific style. When realistically, rap across the board is consciousness, depending on like even when it's a if it's a somebody talking like yo, I'm bettering you, and here's why. Like I, I'm letting you know that th this is why I'm bettering you. Right. Um. So there's a couple of things. I think I, I think the term could be flawed, and it could, there needs to be probably an evolution of what of what applies under that umbrella of conscious rap. Um, but I think it harkens back to the era in which the term, in which the genre was coined as, as conscious rap. Uh, and bringing it back to what you said, uh, uh, Dan, with, the, uh, with um, the knowledge of self-rappers and each one teach one. And the need to try and differentiate genres of rap where rap was still in its infancy. And if you really, if you really want to keep it a buck, all of hip hop was, it, it, it's conscious. Because it was bringing light to what was going on in our neighborhoods, but the the greater listener, you know, at the time, what of course when hip hop was coming up, they didn't see that they didn't see it as anything conscious like that. You know, it was it was hitting with negativity, so they had to have some sort of term to hit to to, to label what they were trying to say to get people to actually listen listen to what they were trying to say, and I think that's where consciousness comes in. Um, now, as we examine it, you know, at a cellular level. Yeah, we it, it needs to change. It needs to be more evolved because um, what we what we think in what we think of conscious rap, going back to what you said, is not just pro positivity and whatever. Sometimes, um, you know, just letting people folks know what goes on in the street, um, and it's not glorifying it. A lot of it is cautionary tales. That's conscious. That's saying, hey, this is happening. So that's my perspective on it. Yeah, so I mean, I I guess, in a way, answering the question, it's literally just, like you said, a definition for a style of rap. Though the culture itself, as we mentioned, the culture itself is like one of the highest forms of consciousness. Sure. You know what I'm saying? When you break it down, like when you break it down from the B-boy stance of some people used it to settle beefs, which a lot of the veterans, OGs, actually say that's kind of false. You know, some hoods, they probably used it to squash beefs. Some places, uh, graffiti was the, the way of getting a message across. Or as we know with graffiti and gang culture, this is our turf. Be wary yeah. your surroundings. Know where the fuck you at. You what? know what I'm saying? One of the first conscious songs was the message. Don't the message. push me because I'm close to the edge. I'm not trying to lose my head. And then the man went into the everyday struggles that he deals with and his peers deal with. And that was purely, a, it was not even a caution, like he, uh, Jay, Jay was saying, a cautionary tale. That was just spitting straight facts about his situation and his everyday life and what he has to go through to make it through the day on a, on a regular basis. So that was... A, a supremely conscious rap song for the time, and it and it, and the message still stands to this day. No, definitely, yeah. yeah. It's this. It's so. It's to the letter of the law. It's yeah. It, it's anything 
just about anything could be quote unquote conscious. But we're talking about it from like again, rap talks about it from a style point of view. And there's like one day we'll do a talk about like how many styles of rap do y'all think you know we really really are under you know what i'm saying because people still want to say rap ain't pop but rap is popular culture yeah it's, it's the, like rap is rap is the culture it is the culture it's, the main, it's it, mainstream rap, is what it is yeah it is mainstream they don't want to say yeah. it but there's so much influence the influence is so strong in pretty much mm -hmm. everything we've touched that you you can't it cannot be denied you can't ever need that. You hear it during commercials. You hear it during ads. It's in your face. You see the style. You see the clothing. You see how the characters mm -hmm. act. It's all over the place. Sure. You can't. You like, can't. You can't go a day without seeing it. My Facebook user says the message was rap's first mental health song. Yeah, I it mean, was out there, along with the uh, problems of the world by the Feelers Four. There you thing. go. Yeah. yeah. Boy, yeah, I mean, shit. You want to talk about rappers' life? He told us not mm -hmm. to eat. He, he told us not to eat over everybody else's house. You know what I'm saying? Like there's there's levels of consciousness for the for the letter of the law. There's levels of consciousness throughout all of it. It's just it's. I, I remember. It's you know what it stemmed from. It stemmed from conversations with people. Who would always say, "Oh, you like that? You like that Talib Kweli shit? You like that? Oh, you like that conscious that Talib most deaf common shit?" And they would always point to those three people, like, you know, like that was the only they like they were the standard bearers. Nah, tells, like they, they didn't listen though. They didn't listen to their own artists because I'm sure like, their own, own artist that has a a song with a conscious rapper or or has done a a song. Speaking consciously about his environment, right. it, it goes without saying. Because I could go to Company Flow, and I'm forgetting the title of the song, but I know Big Just was the one rapping all over it, where he's shouting out all the graffiti crews and where they used to get down at. Like, that's the surroundings of the subway system or the train yards or the wall. Like, that's the consciousness of graffiti writing. You know what I'm saying? Or, or, or. What the hell? Damn, there's too many songs that I'm saying we could just sit there and break down. Like mm -hmm. Facebook user says, rap is something you do, hip hop is something you live. I, the artist formerly known as, and shout outs to you, Will. I think this is you. But uh, yes, KRS. Yeah, KRS One. Yes, I was just about to. I was just about yeah. to mention him. And speaking of old heads and rap, Uncle Forehead is back, hey. showing his full face. <laughs> what up, What's JP? Up? It's been a minute. My brother. JP. What's going on? Life, man. Life. life. Yeah. We, we, we'll talk about some stuff off the air. You got headphones Yeah, no on? problem. Because your, yeah, your audio is off. Your audio sounds a little low. Okay. Turn your mic up. <laughs> Turn that <laughs> shit up. I want you. I want you. And your left <laughs> ear. I only get it in my left ear. But anyway, Chop responded back, so they should be coming through around 1.30. Let's get into these NBA Finals real quick before we talk to the brothers about Philly Cigar Week. Uh, this has been a flip-flop series. Each team has taken a game on each other's home floor. 
The Warriors just won game four the other day, 107-97. Steph put up 43, 10 rebounds, four assists. Wiggins, 17, 16 rebounds and two assists. Yes. Jordan Poole, 14, one and one. Klay Thompson, 18, two and one. While on the Celtics side, the scoring was a little more balanced. Jason Tatum, 23-11-6. Jalen Brown, 21-6-2. Marcus Smart, Smart 18-4-5. And, and Derek White for 16. Again, a ba- more balanced scoring across the board, but um, they just couldn't get it done. Listen. JP, where, where, are your, where are your thoughts on the series so far, JP? If you're not frozen, because you look frozen. Go ahead, TJ. Okay. So I was saying, Steph Curry put the, put the team on his back that last game. Definitely put the team on his back. I can't see it. Was it Jamal? Is that you? What? The Audubon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's definitely Will. That's definitely Will. <laughs> but um, Stephen Curry put the team on his back. Clay Thompson didn't really have a good game. The only person that was really solid outside of Clay Thompson was Wiggins. We had clutch buckets at at um times to keep the the game close early in the first half. I didn't realize he grabbed 16 rebounds. That was huge. They got clobbered on the boards last last game. So um, we need Golden State to be Golden State. You need to get Clay in the rhythm. Poole needs to get in the rhythm. Um, it can't be all Steph. Steph made some ridiculous – I don't know if you watched the game or not, but Steph made like three three-pointers that were just ridiculous. Absolutely insane. Some playground shit. But – um. You you can't you can't rely on that every night. That's not gonna win. That's not gonna win it for you. So right. the the role players and and the guys who need to show up need to show up. Now Draymond Green is scared to shoot. I don't know if you've been watching it. He is scared to shoot the ball. Now, there. I'm glad you mentioned there. that name because I looked at his stat line right now. Two points, nine rebounds, eight assists, and everybody they are, keeps everybody keeps saying. Draymond needs to step it up. Draymond, those look like Draymond Green numbers. No, but I'm he, expecting more rebounds than points at any day. But they're daring him to shoot. They are so far off of him, and he'll okay, just pass okay. it. No, they are they are going to him, and they're like, "Go ahead, bro." Like uh, your man said, he with us because he's you know he's not going to make that shot. So he is he is consciously again consciously aware that he's not shooting the ball well. And he's just passing. He's giving up easy shots every time. Easy mid-range jumpers, too. JP, you back? Yeah, can you hear me? We hear you a little bit. Still sound like you're down down the hall. All right, can you hear me now? A little better. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. So I was we were talking about the game. Like, where are you at on the uh, where you where you at on this uh, the last game and the way the finals is tied up? Um, I think we're down to the best of three. Um, it could go either way. Um, I'm still going with the Warriors in seven, man. But I, I know um, it's going to take some monster games from Jason Tatum to really step up. Like, I'm talking about, like, 40, 45, 50-point games for the Celtics, I think, to win this series if they're going to win it. Um, Robert Williams has been a beast on the defensive end. Marcus Smart, 
has to be a little more consistent on the offensive end. Um, Jalen Brown, he's been he's been very consistent. But I, I still think the Warriors will win. The only problem I have with the Warriors, which is bothering to me, is the length. The length of Boston is really bothering them. You can see they need a big man. Like Wiseman would have been a good factor to have in this series. And I do agree with, with, with the pundit said as well on TV about um, playing um, Kuminga more, a little bit more. He's giving, you know, he's a lottery pick. He's giving some more, a little bit more time. You know, and Draymond has to step up a little bit more. He knows he has to step up. He has to play better. But um, I'm going to go for Warriors in seven. Jamal? Um, I get, this is what we want in an in a NBA final. You know, slugfest back and forth. Champions do champions. Um, you see the Warriors' uh, experience is, is paying off. That was a huge win to come back and get that game that they needed in Boston. And I think each team is undefeated after a loss in the playoffs. Is that what I saw? So, um, like JP said, it's coming down to the to the best of three. Uh, for Boston to pull us out, yeah, we, Tatum is going to have to come alive. He hasn't really hit that that same stride in the finals as he did uh, in the playoffs in the ECF. So, um, it's you know it's hard to go against the Warriors' experience. But I'm still going to I still think Boston will find a way to get it out. Yeah, you said we said. Uh... Said to a couple people the other day, you were the no, actually talking to JP the other day. You were the lone person here who stuck with the Boston Celtics in this situation. But let's see if we got it going on. We got the homie John Armstrong. If he looks frozen, we'll try to get him back. See if he's a. But yeah, we're ready to go talking about Philly Cigar Week, man. But while. There he goes. I think he's moving around. John, I think you frozen. I think you froze. While he works that out and we wait for Chop to come back. Um, JP, you wanted to mention something real quick about the whole uh, Stephen A. Smith, Kyrie Irving obsession. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't really want to go deep, deep, you know, into it. But I just don't understand why Stephen A is covered at, like, Kyrie every week. And he's not even playing right now. It's like every, like, on these shows and stuff, he's coming at him, like, real hardcore, I guess because it really has got to be over the vaccine stance that he took. But he's got the same energy for Aaron Rodgers there. You know, at least Kyrie was honest. I know we were, hash, we're hashtagging back to what happened, but at least Kyrie was honest about you know what was going on, whereas Aaron Do- Aaron Aaron Rodgers wasn't, and I just don't understand what this obsession is about Kyrie, and it's, it's like it's becoming like Skip Bayless with LeBron. It's like what did what did Kyrie do to you for you to keep talking about this man like this? And that's all I wanted to say about it. Yeah, no, I dig it. We we we, we haven't really talked about it because it hasn't been worth talking about. But I know that was something you wanted to bring up real quick. And we had to utilize that to fill time waiting for this brother to come through. The homie John Armstrong, the owner and proprietor of Philly Cigar Week. What up, good brother? What's up, gentlemen? What's up, fellas? All right, all right. Man, we How are you? How's everything going? Uh, in, in, in the midst of the storm, we're trying to get this thing started tomorrow. But I'm excited. Ready to get things rolling tomorrow. Yeah, nice. I guess on the road wrapping up all the last loose ends and stuff before everything kicks off, right? Yes, 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 yes. 
Cool, cool. So for those who we were here last year, obviously earlier in the year because you know pandemic stuff and things in the way. Uh, just let's remind the people what Philly Cigar Week was all about, how your idea came up to have it and everything. Let's let's give people a little reminder of that. Sure, sure. Um, like I said before, I, everyone I kind of meet in the cigar space, I always start by saying, I don't know shit about cigars. I just love to smoke, right? And so that's that's my mantra and I'm sticking to it. Uh, but, but I've always been uh, kind of blessed to kind of be in a lot of great situations that just stem from being in cigar lounges, meeting new people, and just connecting uh, on that level. So, uh, I mean, it is some of my best deals are done after smoking a good cigar and on the laptop and just vibing out and just kind of getting locked in. That's just kind of my forte. Um, but like I said, I, when we first met a year, year ago, we kind of did a podcast. I was introduced to cigars by a former college teammate of mine, Al Shaman Singleton. He played for the Bucks, and um, he was always come to our homecoming, our, our homecoming, and our or our spring football games, and always bring a ton, ton of cigars. And so uh, that's how I got introduced to it on that level. It wasn't until I went and visited him uh, in Tampa. This was years ago when um, when Baltimore, I think, was playing the Giants in the Super Bowl in Tampa, and um, uh, my first time seeing a walking humidor in somebody's house because where he lived at, the Yankees had their offseason, and a lot of Yankees players was his neighbor, so they would always drop cigars off to his house come, from coming back from their travels abroad. And so it was always uh, – so he just, he get, uh, at some point he said, I got tired of storing them in my garage and end up building a, a walk-in humidor. So that was like my, my first real introduction on that level. But as far as the cigar week component is concerned, I would have seen what was going on in other cities, uh, Atlanta, Orlando, uh, Houston – uh, Las Vegas, and and at the time there was no cigar weeks in Philadelphia, so I kind of got with a few folks. I just saw my man Chalk pop in, in there, and Chalk Chalk was probably one of the first cats I I went to. He attended my first cigar week, and then he uh, after meeting him there, we kind of just stayed in touch and we came home. And, and, uh, and now Chalk's a cigar guy, so kind of walking me through the local terrain as to who was who in the local cigar community, and so that's how Philly Cigar Week was born. Uh, so year one, we were just kind of kicking the tires, getting our feet wet. Didn't really know what we was really doing at that time. Year two, which was last year, because we took a year off uh, due to the pandemic, we took a different approach. We took that uh, most major cities have restaurant weeks. And so we took a restaurant week format and applied it to the cigar week. And so we just went to all of the cigar lounges and said, hey, tell us what you're doing. Cutting light events, something that's unique to your uh, your lounge. Feed it to us, and we're going to put out there for all to see. And then we built some signature events around that. And so that's how it came to be. So it allowed us to kind of showcase and highlight the best that we had to offer as far as our local lounges were concerned, but also building some signature events that we did as far as day parties and things of that nature. So it was a win-win. And um, and then just like I said, taking the best practices that we saw from other markets and just incorporating that into what we do. And so uh, we pulled in Cigar Mike out of Atlanta. Uh Susie from Lit Torch, she has an app that kind of whatever city you're going to, you can go into her app and find out where all the cigar lounges are. Yes, yes. We started pulling all of those people together. Obviously, we connected with y'all to kind of get that, uh, to get have this type of platform to share what we do and to touch base with your audience and kind of pull them in and educate them as to what the Philly Cigar Week scene is like. And so we were fortunate. And then uh, last but not least, we had a super strong brand ambassador program. Last year, we had about 60 brand ambassadors. This year, we're carrying about 50. And they serve as the main information tool 
as far as getting information out there to the masses, because as you know, advertising tobacco on the social media platforms is close to impossible. Trust I know. I, yeah, I've had videos exactly. taken down from TikTok where I had <laughs> I had I had a piece of straw in my mouth that uh -huh. simu that simulated a cigarette, and uh -huh. they pulled that shit. But oh, then yeah. they put it back when I typed in. It was a straw. <laughs> so so yeah. So you understand and, and and well well versed in that the challenge that we're faced with. So yeah. So we were fortunate in that regards. And so so yeah. So that that um so it worked. That last year's format worked well for us. And we were we got a got we got a lot of good feedback. We were a lot of our vendors were telling us that they felt that the events were cigar events that just turned into parties. And they felt that some of the other cities they went to. It was like a party that they, that they were trying to make a cigar event, but it didn't work. And right, so we were right. fortunate that we were able to kind of capture that vibe. And we're just trying to stay in, stay in that lane. Um, some of the other feedback that um, lent itself to, to our uh, scheduling for this year is that some people said, hey, we'd love to see some live entertainment, some live performances and, and so on and so forth. And that's what helped mold this year's uh, lineup. So we have uh, Jeff Bradshaw performing live on Thursday. We got jazz and cigars on the waterfront. Uh, I did an event in Baltimore back during the CIAA, and we uh, did a Nobody Forgets the Biz tribute party. We had Kane perform, and then so meeting Kane there, I was like, "Yo, I got a concept for this party I want to do for my Cigar Week. Since you love wearing hats, uh, would you uh, be interested in hosting and performing at my Smoke Above the Brim party? And we'll bring in uh, five or six custom hat designers from around the country, and do like a MTV is Rip the Runway style fashion show where the hats are being." Modeled on stage, we have a solo violinist playing the whatever song that's going to be that they're going to be uh, modeling to, and then it culminates with Kane coming on stage and and performing live at the end. And so he loved the concept, and we kind of was able to, unfortunately, able to put that and pull that all together. So we're excited about adding those two live music components to Cigar Week, and then uh, and at the same time still keeping some of the other formats. Uh, so this year, Monday we're uh, we're starting tomorrow. We're kicking off our VIP. Uh, reception at Ashton Cigar Bar in downtown Philadelphia. VIP event for all our brand ambassadors, our sponsors, and dignitaries. Tuesday and Wednesday, we have the support your local brick and mortars. Similar to last year, we go to the local cigar lounges, support what they do. All of our brand ambassadors will kind of spread out throughout the city and, and support those efforts. Uh, I'm going to try to hit as many as those I, as I can within the day. Uh, Thursday, we do the nighttime event. That's going to be the Jazz and Cigars on the Waterfront with Jeff Bradshaw. That leads us into the weekend. And then we borrow the model from other cities because that Friday they always do the Rep Your City a happy hour. So um, initially we were supposed to have that at Xfinity Live and then there was a, some scheduling conflicts. So we had to move that. So that's going to take place at the Radisson Hotel. So I last I looked, which was this morning, we roughly have uh, over 700, 700 people already RSVP'd for that Rep Your City happy hour. Uh, so we're doing some unique things there. Um, Saturday, we're back at Kavanaugh's for the day party. Uh, cigar Mike, that's the uh, cigars, sundresses, and cars. And then we end up the, the grand finale with Big Daddy Kane on Sunday with the Smoke Above the Brim custom hat fashion show and day party. So that's uh, so that's the lineup for this show. And Friday is the day that we are involved. We're going, to be we're going to be coming back doing the live podcasting thing. Plus, I want to have some fun. Because I got a bunch of T-shirts in the house, I got a I got a fucking busy ass week of work. But you see what Jamal is rocking right there. Those are the, the style that I was trying to put out this year. Mm -hmm. I got I got to make a bunch of those on white T-shirts, which 
we're gonna do some moving camera stuff this year to okay. gain some more video content along with the i want to sit down and talk with people like we did last year mm-hmm. obviously if you're not moving around we could finally get you <laughs> on the mic because your ass is all over the place we had shock and had a dope fun time with shock and everybody else uh, that was there and um yeah but uh before i pass it to chalk because when we last talked john did i hear you say correctly that the starting five podcast is the official podcast of philly cigar week did i Ab- hear that correctly absolutely absolutely we have our guys that were doing some stuff <laughs> last year in the back but but you guys are official <laughs> official yeah boy here i want to say this i want to apologize because with all of the scheduling changes in the past, and talk will kind of be my talks like my uh, my uh, keeps me keeps me real in, right? For those moves where I want to kind of jump off the track, talk like, nah, we're gonna we're gonna be all right, we're gonna keep it moving. But with so many uh, so many challenges uh, that we were faced with this year, uh, we, we were luckily when one door closed, another one opened right up. So we were excited about that situation. Yeah. Uh, resolving itself in a timely manner, and uh, and at the same time, uh, we're doing some other unique things. We have a, a panel discussion taking place on Saturday morning uh, called "Deeper Than the Leaf," and um, we have a state rep, uh, Danilo Burgos, uh, two uh, cigar uh, like we have Desiree from Drunk Chicken, we have Kimberly Primus from Flavor Cigars, uh, Lou Lika, Cigar Lounge, just talking about the whole cigar industry and what's going on behind the scenes and in the direction that is going in and also just highlighting what's what's to come and what's new what's hot and what's next for philadelphia cigar scene and yeah. so yeah so as far as the um you'll definitely be um definitely gonna make some time to sit down this year with y'all chop it up and um and then we're adding some other unique pu- pieces to the puzzle uh most of our events outside of thursday are pretty much day events so it allows people that are going to be in town to kind of experience some of the local lounges and kind of go check out them and support them if they can't make it in town earlier in the week and then uh and, and do some different unique things but yes we're excited we're excited yeah definitely we're, we're excited too even though we've been playing uh drop the ball and procrastinating on reserving the rooms but we're gonna be down there we're gonna we're gonna, we're gonna, be, we're, gonna we're gonna be down there a little longer this time we're gonna be there from friday to sunday morning uh cool, so cool. We're definitely gonna miss the cane event unfortunately but we're gonna be there for everything saturday for sure Cool, cool. Definitely, definitely, because I need to chop it up with my not em, nemesis in football rivals, but equal in like cigar smoking. And there's the brother Chalk Belafonte. What's good with you, man? I'm good. Hello to everybody. How y'all doing today? We all chilling, man. We We're chilling, good, chilling. man. So That's give the good. people once again your involvement besides being uh, John's ace and backbone in in keeping them straight. In Philly Cigar Week, I'm the ace and backbone. Oh man, I gotta get a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that. he's the, he's the one that just said it. Yo, you keep him in line. So I'm just freestyling. I'm off the top of the dome with it. Y'all can fix okay, that yeah. after. But <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna record that clip and post it on my page. Uh, no, man, just I'm just part of the Cigar Week. As far as the background, man, like um. Now, I do a lot of stuff when I'm in the forefront, but as far as the background, John, idea that he comes up with 
whether it's three o'clock in the afternoon or three o'clock in the morning, he'll call me and be like, yo, what you think about Blase, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say whatever I'm going to say. And what I respect about John is he'll take that into consideration and make his decision after that. Sometimes it, it might be what I suggest a hundred percent, or he might take a piece of it and incorporate what he got going on. And, it, and to see it all come to fruition is beautiful, man. Like last year, when the last, the last, the finale of last year, it was like an overwhelming moment because, like, yo, we actually did this. Like, it's it, when you plan something and see it actually executed, it's beautiful, man. So this year, like you said, with all the ups and downs and the and the unexpectedness and all that, I already know, I already have an idea how it's going to end because all the hard work that John put in and everybody just, you know, rocking rocking with him and rocking with us, the dedication is there. You understand what I'm saying? When you have dedication from everybody as a collective, you, you the sky's the limit. So um, that's my involvement is just being a, confid a confidant and, a, you know, shoulder to lean on and also a, a voice of reason. You know what I mean? When he's ready to jump off the ledge, I might... I might let him get one foot off the ledge, but I'll pull him back. <laughs> yeah, that's that's dope. And JP, who's also here with us, like we've been doing this together. TJ and Jamal have been the newest additions. TJ's been almost two years now, but JP and JP and and, and myself, who's JP's not on camera, uh, we are that for each other in both ways. You know what I'm saying? Like I just put his, I just put my foot in his ass about something, and he called me yesterday. Yo, I did it. Yo, I did it. Because that's what, uh, in a way, a brotherhood, real friendship is supposed to do. But especially when you're trying to build something. And John, you being an event coordinator for some years, you got to have that kind of balanced person behind you that says, hey, hey, like get this shit together or brother, you got it going right. Right. You don't need a yes man. Exactly. Yes man ain't no good. John, John, am I a yes man? What's that? What you say? Am I a yes man? Oh no, you're definitely not a yes man. <laughs> I call him Mr. Padrone. <laughs> hey, that's that's facts. <laughs> but one thing I want to say though, like about last year, like the interview setup that we had. One, it was fun as hell. Two, we we got some. We got some interesting stories in the few minutes we got to sit down with people. Like, shout out to the dude Jahar who has a cigar smoking. Uh, uh, he has a cigar podcast too. But that dude told us that he had forty-eight or fifty something put on his head by Ray Allen, TJ. Yeah, it was forty-eight. He was or, and he was talking 50, shit to Ray. He was talking shit. He was talking shit to Ray Allen the whole game. Yeah, like he had Ray <laughs> Allen put 50, yeah, like forty something or fifty something on his head in college. <laughs> he scored 13 though. He scored 13 on Real. Right, right, right. But then <laughs> we got we got to meet Miss Roxy Fab, which hopefully we get to sit down with again. She was a great dope energy individual. Off air, I'll tell you about the shortest interview we had though. I am not going I'm not going to lie. I actually learned the most from. And it was our shortest interview. And the least bit of information was even said. Because I and, and I'm not hating, but it's just a you know, us black folks can be guarded when we have information mm -hmm. and we don't want to give it out. Mm -hmm. 
but it inspired me last year that I was rolling my own cigars last year in preparation to try to maybe build my own shit, but also give me the end, give me the education from the leaf to the roll to everything about a cigar within a five minute conversation. I learned a lot of that because of an event like this, because there's so many other, I mean, and there were more cigar brands there that we probably could have smoked, smoked, spoke, whatever, could have spoke to. (laughs) But in that short time at the happy hour thing was like, it was, there was a lot, but relationships was built within the two plus hours we were recording TJ. Yeah. I mean, hours ago. The vibe was just, it was just beautiful. It was just a beautiful vibe. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was laughing, having a good time. Um, people were it, meeting each other for the first time. New friends was made. You know, a lot of, like Dan said, a lot of relationships were built. And and you could, it was just, it, the overall vibe was just happy. Everybody was happy to be there. You know, it, it was probably the first time we everybody's been out in a minute because of the, the whole COVID situation. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, you guys ran a tight event, man. It was Absolutely. just tight from top to bottom. Everybody, it's everybody and everything was professional from even the staff in the hotel. Everything was so coordinated, dope, man. You guys really did your thing. And I'm and I'm and I, I got crazy amount of respect for you guys uh doing what you had to do. I don't even know what kind of hoops you had to jump through to get where y'all had to get to, but y'all did y'all pulled off a tremendous job, man. Uh, I want to say thank you. Definitely appreciate that, and, 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 uh, and I, I always put this the, the, that that praise falls squarely on the shoulders of our brand ambassadors. Because as, as you guys saw when you met me in person, I'm I'm constantly moving. Right. It, it's Chalk's running joke with me is that man, you'll call me ten times. Now, as soon as I get to you, like you forgot what you called me for. He's <laughs> 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 like, like playing double dutch. He don't know when the should I go or does he really want something. You know <laughs> but, uh, but no, so 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 and, and I and I appreciate the fact that the people around me know that that's how I work and that's how I operate. Uh, but but uh, in a lot of ways, it's like playing checkers versus playing chess, right? I'm trying to always think about the next move from a chess perspective as opposed to checkers, mm-hmm. whether what whether or not we're we're fulfilling the hotel's needs and what they what their expectations were for the event. Uh, mm-hmm. It was funny. I laughed because we went to revisit our conversation with that hotel this year, um, which we did to get a small block of rooms over there. But they have new management and it didn't pan out to like we had it last year. And so that's when we started exploring some different opportunities. But even um, even our, our initial conversation with Xfinity Live, we thought that was a perfect match made in heaven. So even when that technicality came up and we had to kind of move the location the sales up person he said is well john we want to lock you in for next year we're sorry for the inconvenience yada 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 now obviously we'll revisit that conversation because that's a perfect situation however one of the caveats was for that location is that the cigar vendors could set up they couldn't sell because Live is owned partly partially by the city gotcha and, 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 to, and, and, and we, we were transparent with the vendors and they were cool with that they just wanted the exposure as well but that's dope but by that happening we moved it by moving it to the hotel now they can kind of sell their stuff and it opens up more commerce for them you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and, and and so if you uh if you can imagine that snapshot from last year's happy hour now you look at it about 700 plus to people that we currently have that's crazy 
Um, and then even in addition to that, just last weekend, Barbecue and Smoke was one of our sponsors last year. And they had called us back and said, hey, John, um, we're thinking about doing something different this year so people can actually sample our product. We're willing to buy 200 pounds of wings. And um, basically, if you can get a chef locally to cook it up, and we'll just give away samples. I'm like, perfect. So I called my man, Chef Millie, who was on Hell's Kitchen, locked that in, met with him yesterday, shoot the video promo. So that's a whole other thing we're adding to the, to the, to the happy hour. Just It's just leveraging us being fortunate to have the opportunity to work with a sponsor that wants to leverage a different aspect of their business in a different way. So we're excited about yeah. that. It's, it's a great exposure for everybody. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that barbecue sauce is all that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they, they definitely do their thing. And, and, uh, and Mac and Adonis, who own Barbecue and Smoke, were amazing partners. And they, they also do gourmet chocolates and barbecue sauce. And they dip and dab in, like, the monthly subscription boxes. But they are uh, they have an amazing product. So we're excited to have them back on board. So, yeah, so, so we're going to continue on that as far as um, providing that uh, experience. And... Um, and then raising the bar, and it was kind of funny. Now, what was kind of crazy, and, and I, I, I humbly accept the award, but we were just kind of pleasantly surprised because we were nominated for the best cigar week in the country and ended up winning back in February uh, in Miami. Oh, we congrats, up. man. Yeah. Dope. Congratulations. Appreciate it. And, uh, and Chuck, and we, we had a whole te- a team of about 15 brand ambassadors. We all flew down the Black Smoke uh, Miami to receive uh, and receive the award. But just mm-hmm. to kind of know that we were being – that we were being watched by the other sites that have been doing it for much longer than us. And that knowing that that whole restaurant week model, this, and this even here in the, probably the best feedback we got was from the vendors because the vendors are the ones that go to all the other circuits. And so right. for them to tell us today, John, we felt that it was like an open air market for us to sell. And that was probably the biggest thing uh, we appreciated is that we, you know, there was that, there wasn't that many restrictions. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, that's dope. You tend to but the one here. thing, the one thing that I would I I I think I'm sure many of people were looking for or looking forward to were some of the cigar makers that were vendors to have had samples. Like is is that going to be like a difference this year in some of those? Like are they going to be, you know, some sample sticks going around, stuff like that? Or so so because I know yeah. everybody wants to make money, but so yeah, yeah. So we're te- we're teetering on that. So we def- we definitely had Ashton step up to the plate. And they're doing some samples for the for the VIPs this year, so we're excited about that. So in that swag bag, they're getting uh, we partnered with Barbecue and Smoke. They provide us with this really incredible box. It comes with gourmet chocolates, their custom barbecue sauce. They get the T-shirt. They get some cigar samples. Uh, we have we're throwing in a, a Philly cigar we, a lighter. So we're doing some different things. We just we're just learning, and it was probably my mistake as far as not taking the approach. But after my visit to, to, to the PCA last summer and getting to know the bigger brands, now I think in, 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 in by virtue of us having that award, now I have a little bit more leverage to kind of go to them and say, hey, I need 10, bo- not 10, but say two to three boxes. If I yeah. get two boxes from like 10 or 15 major brands, I can be in that realm. Now, here's what I'm hearing, though, behind the scenes after having some of those calls and, 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 and tapping into some of those discussions. Some of the bigger brands are pulling back because they don't feel that there's enough cigar education going on. They're starting to see a trend in that there's a lot more party vibe versus the cigar education and that type of vibe. So we were able to pivot on the early spectrum of that 
um, um, that wave. And um, we had three things we were developing that we're only launching one. And that, and that one is the panel discussion we're doing Saturday morning from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. called Deeper Than the Leaf. So that's going to touch upon the industry in itself. On a larger scale, I have a local friend of mine, a gentleman, gentleman, gentleman by the name of Randy Robinson, who's a political strategist. And Randy was like, John, with what you're doing with your team in the space that you currently occupy, you have uh, a great window of opportunity to start leveraging these discussions with politicians and other local community leaders because of the demographic of people that you're catering to. And so he said, so you might want to think about doing some more uh, smoke and chat type of conversations. And that's what we're about to lead into, not just in Philly, that's dope. but around the country. And that's dope. that there, I'm just, I want to throw our hat in the ring on that. If we can be like some of the lead uh, uh, panel uh, leaders <laughs> on some of those, because one of, one of those things, obviously we do mm-hmm is talk politics is talk Mm -hmm. social issues is the we want to be in front of politicians and ask them the non blowing smoke up your ass questions Mm -hmm. you know not going like we're we're trying to dig for tmz level of but we are down to have those conversations because when they are to be had we do them on a regular basis here you know what i'm saying so i definitely would love to if we can work that out to where we could be involved but I want to I want to make sure I introduce y'all to my brother right next to me, Jamal, who he's going to be rolling with us this year, as to I believe JP. I'm not sure if he's going to be coming. He might pop in and out of the city real quick. But Jamal smokes cigars with us, and he also does a lot of camera work. So I think he's going to help us out in front of and behind the camera. But he is the newest member of the team who lives South Jersey, and is also going to be a part of this too. And cool. Chop, he's a Giants fan, so we got the whole NFC East here. <laughs> <laughs> What's up, y'all? Pleasure to meet everybody. Love what y'all doing out there. So I apologize for the noise behind me, but I'm here. No problem. Looking forward <laughs> to uh, putting some smoke in the air with you, my good brother. Absolutely. Definitely. Now, now John, last year's happy hour had like what 150 people. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it was it was kind of funny, right? And I'm gonna tell you how that how that even came to be. Because of the pandemic, the the city of Philadelphia, the mayor of the city had a moratorium where no hotels can sign any contracts for any what they deemed as conventions, right? So mm-hmm. for me to secure a block of rooms, they would not sign off on that contract until the mayor lifted that ban. He ended up lifting that ban about a week and a half out, right? So. From January all the way leading up to the Cigar Week, we had, because we already pre-negotiated with the Doubletree mm-hmm. and had it as our host site hotel, but we didn't have any official contract signed. So what ended up happening is that when people were calling and said, hey, what's the, is there a room block? Is this that and the third? We just told them to call the hotel and book individually, right? Because we didn't have any code that we could give them. So right. a week and a half out when they lifted the ban, then everything went on hyperspeed, right? So the general manager, the food and beverage person, and then Nate, who was my liquor rep, said, hey, let's, John, let's have a meeting out at the hotel and let's kind of iron all this out. So we couldn't meet right away, so it ended up being a Zoom call. <clears throat> so during the Zoom call, I'm educating them as to what we're looking to do. And at the time, Nate is the rep for the whole state of Pennsylvania. And Nate was like, well, listen, 
Because um, at that time, they were questioning me, like, how many rooms do you think, rooms do you think you're going to be able to need or whatever? I said, well, quite frankly, I don't know because I don't know how many people that were calling me that either booked with you guys or just booked with somewhere else randomly just to get their own hotel stays. So um, so Nate was like, well, listen, let's do this. Since, you, since, uh, since that's a question that John really can't answer at this time, we're going to do a happy hour at this spot. And that way that'll help drive people to your location. Now I'm on the, you know, like you're you're on a live Zoom call. I'm sitting there like, oh snap! I'm texting Nate on my phone like, uh, hold up, play like, uh, <laughs> are we gonna be able to facilitate that in that short period of time? So if you can recall, uh, it was open bar for I think two hours, and they had some food yeah. Well, yeah. So he just made it hard for them to say no, right? He said, we'll we'll do a open bar on Cavassier, Maker's Mark, and blah blah blah. So that's how that came about. So that wasn't a tough sell for us. But once I put it out there, for people to right. like, so I think we had a little over 200 RSVPs. And you're right, because um, we probably had about 175 people come out strong. Right. And, um, and then we were kind of double booked, meaning that that evening we had an event over and uh, overlapping it. Right. And then, so as soon as that ended, I had to run upstairs, shower, change, and head over right over the bridge for our evening event. So yeah, so that so that it worked out last minute, but we didn't know that Monday when uh, the cigar we started last year, I was in a uh, in the lobby of the hotel, and um, the sales rep came down and said, "Well, John, out of the block of rooms that you guys secured, I think we had fifty rooms." He said, uh, "You guys only picked up like twenty three rooms," and I'm like, "That can't be because I know a bunch of people were calling." We printed out our entire ticket sales list for all of our events. No, actually, I said from the spreadsheet. I said, take this spreadsheet, and if you can scrub these names, I know we're we'll, I know we're over the fifty rooms, right? Mm-hmm. And about forty-five minutes later, he came downstairs. And said, yeah, you're right, because I just knew the people that bought the tickets that were calling me. I was still telling them to call there. That's before we signed our deal, because a week and a half out was when they finally gave us a code. But uh, yes. so yeah. So they were like pleasantly surprised. They were like, holy, you know, holy shit, like y'all did reach your block. But um, so yeah, so so that's how that started. And then Philadelphia, like I always tell the guys from Vegas, Dallas, Atlanta, we don't have the luxury of having a plethora of smoke-friendly venues, right? So we're just we're like we're challenged, we're just really we're like a challenge, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And part of what's gonna happen in, in probably the Within the next year, I think it's gonna be a drastic uh, quantum shift. Because last year, if you think about it, it was eight to nine cigar weeks around the country. They're currently close to thirty. I think it's twenty-nine to be exact. And so that within itself then starts to uh, decrease the numbers of the individual cigar weeks that are existing. And so I'm interested in creating some dialogue. It was funny. We started some dialogue about six months ago about doing a formulating a consortium. And we start out with Miami, Vegas, Dallas, and Philly to kind of start the mo- uh, a core model, and then we were going to expand it out. But um, but now after what we're seeing now, we almost have to revisit that to be able to be sustainable, right? So I'm so I'm I'm seriously interested in looking at the New York market and the DC market and doing it regional uh, cigar. New, week. New York does not have a cigar week. And that actually, actually, uh, I believe somebody did try to do a New York one last year, and it yeah. actually might have been a homie of mine that was a 
is a co-worker by way of the same job but used okay. to also work in the same district as me because okay. i actually i last time i seen him he was at philly cigar week i ran into him in the camden spot and yep. he mentioned doing trying to do something similar up here and okay. i told him first of all i told him like i said yo try to help me let, let us get involved because i can guarantee you nobody smoking i, I do know a brand ambassador john so i can definitely put you in touch with uh, the dude well, he does a uh, he does he does a lot of events uh right, smoking but, events no, there were they didn't do yeah i would say they didn't do i don't think like the full same week's worth of yeah, yeah it was like a weekend type of deal it was something different yeah and, and, but and now have... i'm sorry but i was saying you going from 175 last year to 700 this year my man Oh yeah, no, it's it's that's it's that jump is crazy, man. <laughs> it's crazy, and it's funny. Like literally before the call, we had to, um, and that's why I was telling Chalk earlier about the whole. It's it's a constant juggling act, right? So, the venue we ended up moving to that Friday when I got the initial call from Xfinity Live about the conflict, the scheduling conflict. That following Saturday, my wife and I. She's getting her nails done. I'm sitting in the salon. I'm like, and I'm looking across the street at this hotel, which is the Radisson. And I forgot what it was formerly, but it was just newly renovated. I just said, man, let me walk across the street. Because I remember going there years, years ago because it was like a sports bar in the, in the lobby. But um, so anyway, I walk in and the actual, um, the owner was there, Victor. And this is like a Saturday around 11 a.m. So I introduced myself and I always carry my, 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 what my wife what my wife calls my mobile office. I have a laptop, a bag. I, so I run back across the street, grab my bag out the car. I show them the website, show them what we're looking to do. And at that time, we had 400 people RSVP'd for the cab. I mean, for the Xfinity Live event. So I said, as you can see, we have the numbers. I just need a location. So from that point all the way up until literally, I would almost say this up until an hour ago, we locked in the location. Because they just completed their uh, fifteen million dollar renovation, their liquor license for the restaurant portion was still pending, and so uh, Tuesday I'm down there just doing some layouts of where the vendors are going to go, and all of that good stuff. And the owner said at the time, he said, "Well, John, listen, uh, our liquor license is still pending, uh, so we may not be in place for your happy hour." I said, "That's not a problem. I have a friend of mine that has access to apply for a, a one day license." And uh, that was Tuesday. So literally, literally, literally before I left the hotel, I called my friend up and said, hey, do you think you're able to put this in place by the by the 17th? He said, well, let me see. So like, let me get up the horn, call the liquor control board. By that Thursday, which is, which is this past Thursday, everything got approved. Wow. So decided to walk through everything. And then literally this morning, he kind of called and sealed the deal as far as, okay, we're moving forward. So now... Tomorrow at some point, I got to stop by there just to discuss making sure they have the right liquors and all the other stuff on, on hand. So it was just kind of a, it was a tight window, but I'm like, like holding my breath to be like, the, the last thing I wanted to do was have to relocate 700 people. With yeah. Blessing, right. <clears throat> and so, so that ended up being a blessing in disguise. And now and you guys will see when you come down uh, on Friday for this, it's weird how certain things end up turning out because this hotel is a parking lot that can hold about 400 cars. It's massive. 
and it's right off of um literally it's five minutes from the stadium um but my point is so i took the owner out there on tuesday when i was out the last time i was with him in person i said next year i said since you guys control this whole parking lot what are the chances of me taking over a portion of this and putting a stage out back and then that friday we have the whole happy hour oh that'd be bananas right there you know what i'm saying but so, so he loved the concept i said well, here's the deal i just want to paint that picture but let's just get through this year and then let's go from there and he said well would you do anything else here for the rest of the week and i said well i'll probably just do the friday and maybe sunday but uh but no so it it's just funny how things fall into place but that's dope and the hotel itself has about uh they have 200 rooms there so it can potentially be uh, a perfect marriage for our future host site hotel for years to come. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Oh, uh, fuck. Forgot about that. Oh, I, no, I don't know who's going to mention because it could have been off air, but I'll, I'll mention it now because you mentioned the liquor license thing. Is there any of these that we're going to be there for, like BYOB? No, they, they um, well, Saturday, you guys are leaving Sunday morning? Yeah. Yeah. All right, so there's a private event we're doing on Saturday night at Lou Legal Cigar Lounge. So, uh, and that's being hosted by uh, Kim and her husband, Kim, uh, Kimberly Primus and uh, Alonzo Primus. They're the, they're the owners of Cigar City Club in Atlanta, and they're launching their own line of cigars called Flavor Cigars. So, at that event, will be BYOB uh, at Lou Spot. And Lou has a, a nice, uh, probably one of the more nicely appointed cigar lounges in the city. It's actually. He's coming up on his one-year anniversary in July. He wasn't open last year because he was still under construction. Uh, but Lou has a really nice lounge, and it's actually right down the street from Kavanaugh's, where our day party is going to be. Okay. Uh, okay. That'll be the Saturday activities. Yeah. Okay. Yep, yep. All right. Well, the other questions that I really have for you are going to have to be off-camera stuff. And uh, we are approaching... I have to leave work soon. So let's, <laughs> let's let's wrap this up and just hang on for a second because, like I said, I got a couple questions. But, man, thank you. I'm sorry, Chuck, we lost you. But we're going to chop it up with you on Friday. Mm -hmm. uh, JP, welcome back. But John, as the main guest here, you get the, fi you get the first round of final shout-outs. Sure. I just wanted, uh, well, one, first and foremost, thank you for the opportunity and the platform to kind of share what we're doing here in the Philadelphia market. Uh, for those that are looking for uh, more information, they can log on to phillycigarweek.com. Our entire lineup is there. Um, and um, if you can make it down to Philadelphia this uh, sometime during this upcoming week, starting uh, actually starting tomorrow, we'd love to have and host you guys. And uh, we're excited about the opportunity. But, uh, so once again, thank you and uh, thank you for the platform and the opportunity. And we're looking forward to hosting you guys on, on Friday. Definitely. JP. If we didn't lose you. I'm still here. Yeah, I'm here. Um, can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, man. Shout outs to y'all, man. It feels good to be back. Um, shout outs to the brothers from Philly Cigar Week, man. I wish you all best of luck with everything. Sounds good. I like to see brothers doing good things, man, doing great things. And I'm wishing you all the best and continue success with this and keep expanding and stuff. Definitely wish you that. Um, shout outs to Shout out to my brothers, of course, Dan, Jamal, TJ, man. You know, shout out to y'all. Shout out to the listeners, man. It's good to be back. Yes, sir. Yep. Jamal. Shout out. Shout out, Philly Cigar Week. Thanks for coming on, John. Uh, JP, good to see you again, brother. 
Um, glad to have you back, uh, TJ and Maya. Looking forward to this coming week at Philly Cigar Week. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yo, John, Chuck, man, you guys did a hell of a job at the event last year. I can't wait to see this year. I know it's going to be dope. We're going to have a great time. I was super hyped last year. I'm even more hyped now. So uh, thank you for uh, giving us the opportunity to come out there and do our thing. We really appreciate that. I appreciate that. Yes. JP, good to see you back behind the mic, brother. Uh, can't wait to chop it up with you about Philly sports uh, like back, like we used to so we can go butt heads again. Um, Jamal, Dan, can't wait to see you guys on Friday. It's going to be a good weekend, gentlemen. Yep, and as always, hit that QR code. John, once again, thanks for coming through again, and thank you for the opportunity once again. Now I can throw on near the official podcast of Philly Cigar Week. That's going to go up yeah. everywhere. Um, yeah. Peace to Shock. I, 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 I wanted to get back to Shock, but then I guess connection dropped or something, but definitely connected. That's one of the dope brothers that like it was just literally instant. Once again, just to run through how we even got connected. Shout out to my homegirl, Summer, who just celebrated a birthday from Philly. Saw the post, tagged me in it. All I said was, how could we be involved with this? And he said, hit me up. Then later that week, no, a couple of days after, was like, yo, could you be on a call? That's when we hooked up with John, literally a week after that post. Y'all saw my dedication in smoking cigars in 20-degree weather outside. We chopped it up for almost two hours on the phone, on, on Zoom. And that was it. And this relationship is now bonded for good unless y'all kick us out because we don't cut off nobody. Y'all have to get rid of us. So we're here for good. But definitely, we again, because this is year two, we'll now talk about a further expansion of what could we do with you more. Because that politician one, it struck me as important. And it struck me oh, yeah. as something that we do. You know what I'm saying? And and I still got other ideas. But if we can get ahead of the game this year, because I've been, wheels have been spinning here. Plus with work, I've been, I've been too busy to RSVP to anything, been too busy to fucking book the room. But just craziness. But we're there. Mm-hmm. Just know we're there. And yeah, big ups to you, big ups to Chuck, big ups to everybody involved with Philly Cigar Week. Get there if you can. Get there if y'all want to see us face to face. It's going to be a good time. Yep, and it's an it's an adult event, so all the bullshit. We know there's a lot of bullshit going on down there, but all that bullshit gets pushed to the side for an event like this. It's such and- a it's such a dope vibe. The the, the camaraderie. Just, you know, people, you know, gathering around, smoking their cigars, chopping it up, bullshitting. It's just like being in the backyard at the, a nice summertime cookout. It's, it's dope. Yep. And I promise y'all this year, I will not burn a hole in my shirt. <laughs> I burnt the ill hole in my hoodie last year. But that's it. With that being said, we say peace. And we'll next week's episode is actually going to be audio from Philly Cigar Week. So no live show is going to be the content from Philly Cigar Week that will be up and available for y'all by Father's Day or the day after. Yes. Juneteenth or the day after. Juneteenth. Peace. Juneteenth. Peace.